Hello, everybody, and welcome to the NASDAQ Dorsey Wright podcast for Wednesday, May the 20th. I'm Jay Greg Nanny, and here joining me this week is Ian Saunders. And last week, we wrapped up, um, I believe it was the 10th week of, of officially being um, uh, in, in work from home environment in, in quarantine situation. So we're working on week 11. And coming up this weekend, everybody looking forward to the Memorial Day weekend holiday, which um, for, for I would imagine the vast majority of people out there will look very, very different to years past. Um, Ian, I don't know about yourself, but Memorial Day weekend is typically, um, you know, the weekend of the year that all of the kids look forward to because the pools are all opening up. Uh, very oftentimes, it's a, it's a time that many people from here in the Richmond, Virginia area head down to uh, either the Outer Banks of North Carolina or Virginia Beach or the river in some capacity, head down towards some coastline and enjoy um, enjoy cookouts with, with family and friends. And then so certainly given um, everything going on with, with the COVID-19 virus and, and everything else out there, um, understandably, this year is going to look very, very different. Um, but, you know, th- the reality is in the past uh, 10 weeks, uh, 11 weeks or so have looked very, very different uh, for most as, as uh, you know, the world has uh, is, is dealing with the pandemic. And so, you know, before we get started, Ian, you know, it, it's certainly been a, an interesting time, uh, not only um, navigating the, the, the the tumultuous, the volatility of the market environment, but, you know, just personally in terms of, you know, shifting from being in the office all the time to working at home, you know, what are, what are the, the biggest ways that, that, that your life has been impacted or, or what are the biggest, you know, tools that you've, you've been grateful for to have at your disposal over these past 10 weeks as we've been, uh, as we've been working from home? Yeah, I mean, it definitely has been an adjustment here, Jay, and uh, I, I think that probably the, uh, my most frequently used tool, or at least now my most frequently used app on the phone is, is the food delivery service um, here, here in Richmond. Uh, no shortage of uh, restaurants likely that are, that are staying open, even if they're not letting people in the doors, staying open for delivery purposes. So um, Richmond has a, uh, has a pr- pretty decent food scene, and uh, well, nice to see that that kept up, support the local businesses there. Um, I think outside of that, the Absolutely. most uh, happiest individual that I've seen during the quarantine has probably been my puppy dog. Um, he's probably <laughs> probably a little bit uh, confused about why why I'm around so much more now, uh, but has uh, definitely enjoyed the more frequent walks and uh, attention that he's getting uh, in in the work from home environment that we've been in here. That's great. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been interesting. I I can appreciate that. You know, I've um, you know, the, there there are some benefits. You know, certainly that that have come out of this and, and will, uh, will continue to come from it. Um, you know, number one is, is, you know, for, for me, um, you know, having, doing a fair amount of travel in normal times during the course of the week, you know, I've been, I've been home, uh, and sleeping in my bed, eating, eating dinner with family and the kids every single night. And so those, those times and those moments are certainly precious and, and, uh, I try not to take them for granted. Um, you know, d- despite, uh, my my wife told me the other day. She said, "You know, we've been married for uh, 13 years, and we were together before that. And these past 10 weeks are the longest consecutive streak that we've we've been together, or we've seen each other in, in a consecutive manner. And uh, so it's been, you know, it's been been pretty interesting uh, and, and been pretty unique. But uh, the time with the family certainly is it has been, um, you know, probably the best part of the whole thing. Um, but I think I I, I share many uh many 
others thoughts and in, in the fact that you know what while that while that has been appreciated i think we can all um look forward to at some point returning to a new normal but you know the reality of um you know the, the technological advances that have happened over the course of the past few years are really what is allowing us um to to be able to work in this environment you know we've we use um you know technology every day um to be able to continue to uh, communicate, continue to work. Um, you know, Zoom has become you know, a, a, an integral part of our daily lives. Microsoft Teams has become an integral integral part of our daily lives. And you know, gosh, with, without you know, without the, those technologies out there to be able to produce these podcasts or you know, chat internally, are, are certainly have been invaluable. So, from a you know, business perspective, you know, we the, the the technological advances have have been um, paramount in terms of maintaining. Uh, maintaining the, the business and, and uh, being up and running. Absolutely. And and I think that technology there, Jay, as well, has been uh, one of the other big positives that we, at least that I've seen coming out of this is um, get, still being able to spend time with those that you might not necessarily be as close to um, via stuff like you said, Zoom there. I mean, we pivoted on the business side from using, I mean, we used to record the podcast in the kind of the studio that we had there in the office. And now we're recording the podcast on Zoom. Uh, but having grandparents and, and people really around the world, uh, being able to still communicate with, with them via Zoom as well is, uh, has been a, um, definitely something to look forward to, given the environment that we've been in. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot here, Ian. What is the one thing that you've done in the past 10 weeks that you never thought you would be doing? I think that that would probably have to be um, actually exercising the puppy dog every morning. Um, so prior to, <laughs> prior to that, I used to try to uh, – a labradoodle. I call him a puppy. He's about two years old now, but he can get pretty rambunctious without exercise. And so, uh, actually getting him out and, and, and get, getting him a mile or two run or so in the morning to tire him out. So he sleeps for the rest of the day has been a, uh, has been something, a, a definitely a bright spot that I was uh, not necessarily expecting here for the past few weeks. What about yourself? That's great. Um, whew, that's a good question. I, well, th there's a couple things I'll, I'll mention. Um, but first I know, you know, exercise is, is, you know, a big part of, of your life. I, I've known, you know, knowing you over the years and, uh, exercise has certainly become a, a big part of my life over the years. And, um, you know, I was in, in a very religious habit of going to the gym every single morning and, you know, before work and getting that in and then, you know, the, the gyms closed down. And so, um, you know, finally my wife had been, uh, talking about wanting to to buy a Peloton bike for uh, probably two years. And so I remember very distinctly the first week in working from home, the gyms were still open, so I could still go to the gym. However, once that changed, that flipped the, the conversation, you know, on its head. And so we, we ended up um, getting a Peloton bike and, and um, you know, she uses it more than I do, but I still try and get on it a fair amount. And it's, I tell you what, it's been, it's been great. Um, you know, working out for me has always been one of those, you know, trying to stay in shape, but just mentally, um, you know, given everything, you know, the, the normal stresses uh, going on today, the, the mental relief uh, that I get out of working out is is tremendously beneficial. So um, owning a bike in my house, I guess I would say that would be uh, one thing that, that I never thought would actually happen. Uh, the other thing I will say is that it was for me always an inevitable uh, reality that was going to happen. It just sped things up a little bit. And that was, uh, taking the clippers to the top of my head, uh, with, <laughs> with not being able to go get my haircut. You know what? We got the clippers out one day, went in the backyard and, um, uh, and gave myself a little buzz cut. So 
uh, didn't think that would happen anytime soon. Nonetheless, here we are. Um, and uh, it, it feels good. Don't have to worry about that. It still feels a little weird, uh, <laughs> even though it's been a few weeks now. But uh, but nonetheless, you know, here we are. And, and you know, I think everybody's managing as best they can. And, and so, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to push forward. There's, you know, it seems like there are certain states and locales that are beginning to open back up, even, um, you know, here in Virginia. Uh, the beaches at Virginia Beach are, are opened up with certain restrictions coming this weekend. So, you know, there there are things that are that are happening and moving forward. And, um, you know, we, we still wish everybody to, to stay very, very safe and healthy um, out there as we continue to move into, uh, I guess, all, not quite officially, but, you know, Memorial Day for, for many is kind of the, the unofficial start to summer. So we're, we're, we're almost there. You know, nonetheless, you know, while we're moving into summer, you know, the, the, the market um, you know, continues to, to see some bouts of volatility out there. Um, you know, the month of May um, started after you saw, obviously, the, uh, the tumultuous uh, March uh, recovery in April. The month of May has been, um, you know, back and forth. The S&P is basically flat uh, through the end of yesterday, not counting uh, anything that's going to happen today. Um, but we have seen some notable developments um, in terms of, of uh, uh, action on the S&P 500 chart, um, specifically uh, given the, the recent volatility in the market. Absolutely. And I mean, we're discussing the positive and negatives of quarantine here, and we've seen those positive and negatives on display in the market, as you mentioned there. I mean, the sideways movement that we've seen for this, um, for the uh, S&P 500 is, is really displayed well on the 20-point chart. Um, we've got a, a top out there at 30, uh, uh, 33.80 in February. Obviously, market fell off there, moving down to the 2200 level um, by the end of March, and then showed, the, showed a pretty significant rally back up towards that 2800 point. Um, and has marched steadily higher since then, but, but has seen um, some, some positive and negative on the signal side. It moved to three consecutive buy signals in April and then gave a sell signal to return to a buy signal. Uh, we gave a sell signal there last week on this 20-point chart, actually, um, just after we moved back to a positive trend at 2940, um, moved lower to give a sell signal at 2780 with the market volatility, and then reversed higher over the past week uh, to ultimately climb all the way back up to return to a buy signal with a triple-top breakout um, on Monday at 2960. And then movement this morning has, has led us uh, to add another X on that chart. They're sitting at um, a, a current chart level of 2980. Uh, based upon the intraday information that we have here on Wednesday. So um, definitely a good sign to see, see that improvement, um, albeit volatile. Um, but the reversal that we had off that sell signal there does set up an additional support level now that we have at 2780 um, with further support down at 2740 uh, that is was maintained twice in April. So um, definitely a, a little significant well, significant, significantly away from that, the 2980 point that we're sitting at here currently. Um, but it, it's good to see that, that that positive movement there carried to the upside um, as we head towards uh, the summer months here. That's, that's right. You know, certainly, you know, positive developments there um, from the S&P 500 chart itself. And it's, it's interesting, though, when you, you dig underneath the surface and, you know, the S&P 500 chart, um, you know, certainly doesn't doesn't tell the entire story of the the uh, segments of the market out there, and and very specifically when you look at um, the difference this year between if you take the S and P 500 and you you carve out all of the growth stocks in the S and P 500, 
and then you call out all of the value stocks in the S&P 500 and you put those into two different baskets. Um, there are two ETFs out there that do this. The RPG is, is S&P 500 growth. RPV uh, is S&P 500 value. Um, same starting universe as the S&P 500, but two very, very different outcomes in terms of returns so far this year, just year to date. Uh, if you look at the the growth stocks, the, the growth index is down about 4.7%. And to put that in perspective, the S&P 500 index year to date through yesterday through the 19th is down 9.5%. So growth stocks um, down about half as much as the S&P 500 this year on a year to date basis. Value stocks, on the other hand, are down 36% on a year-to-date basis, even with the, the, the recovery that the market has seen in the month of April. And I think that is really the big story in terms of the market this year is just the, the pure um, dominance of growth stocks in general and the continued weakness from value stocks. That was the case coming into the month of May, and we've seen even in the month of May that that dispersion continue to widen um, as just in the month of May, um, while the S&P, again, is up about 0.3%, so up about 30 basis points. RPV is down 3.5%, and RPG, so growth, is up 3.5%. So just in the month of May, you've seen another 7% dispersion between the performance of growth and the performance of value um, as, as we've gone through, you know, started the, the quote unquote sell in May and go away uh, time period or, or what historically is the beginning of a seasonally weak period. Absolutely. And we see that, that differential reflect as well in some of the underlying technical information that we can see um, here on, on the Dorsey platform. I mean, looking at RPG with the current, a recent fund score, um, as of close on Tuesday of, of 4.92. Um, very different picture when you look at RPV with a fund score of only 0 0.46. Um, so while, while both have kind of risen off of their bottom, we've seen much more kind of sustained performance there from RPG um, that has led to a much stronger kind of underlying technical picture. Again, that fund score is looking at 19 different factors to, to culminate in that score from 0 to 6, with 0 being the best, or worst, and 6 being the best. Um, we also see that uh, when you look at the underlying holdings of, of the two funds, right? So take the holdings of RPG and then stack them up against the holdings of RPV. Uh, in looking at the top 10 weighted holdings in each fund, um, we see that all the top 10 holdings in RPG are all strong attribute names with, with technical attribute scores of the three or better, right? Um, but RPV presents a, a, quite a different picture. Uh, when you're looking at the top 10 holdings for RPV, um, only three out of those 10 names have a technical attribute score of, of three or better. So while there are certainly potentially names underneath the hood of RPV that have shown some improvement that could be areas to look towards, the space as a whole has not shown as much improvement, certainly as that RPG space on the backs of that, that performance dispersion that we've seen. And part of that has been some of the, uh, because of some of the, this, um, the sector differentials that we've seen there. Is that right, Jeff? That's absolutely right. I mean, when you you don't have to look much further than the the sector um, exposures and the differences in the sector exposure of these two uh, ETFs, um, these two uh, investment styles to really understand and, and see the big difference um, in in RPG. So in growth, the top weighted sector, which is not too surprising, is technology. It's about 30, 36, 35 uh, percent of the movement of RPG is directly attributable, directly related 
to technology, the technology sector. And um, this year, technology on a year-to-date basis is actually up 4%. So again, S&P is down about 9.5%. XLK, which is technology, is up about 4%. Whereas you look on the other side, on RPV, on the right-hand side there, and the top-weighted sector is financials. And financials um, have, have obviously seen a ton of volatility, um, more so than, than the average sector out there this year, more so than the market. Uh, uh, the the uh, financial select sector spider ETF this year is down about 29%. So you take, you know, basically a third of RPV is down 29% this year, where a little over a third of RPG is actually up on the year. And those are, those are big, stark um, differences that we've seen in the portfolio. Another big difference, um, obviously, would be the energy sector. Energy and RPV, so value is at 13% versus uh, just under 2% for, for growth. And energy has seen um, a, a quite a bit of move uh, off the bottom here recently, um, has been one of the better performing sectors near term, but still you look here to date, uh, and energy is, is still the worst performing sector, down about 37% on a year-to-date basis. So, you know, they're, they're the, the big difference really in, you know, what growth stocks have done this year, even growth stocks within the S&P 500. So we're not deviating outside of the S&P 500. Growth stocks in the S&P 500 have, have dominated value stocks in the S&P 500. And um, this is not a new phenomenon. This is not a this year phenomenon. Um, this has been going on for, for some time now, but this year has just um, continued to uh, see that dispersion widen even further. Um, and so we can see some of that when we go in and we look at, at um, the different, the, the rankings and the, the scores of um, all of these different styles through our asset class group score page. Absolutely. And so as Jay said there, the asset class group scores page, it's going to, uh, give us some relative comparisons of, of a variety of different areas, right? We have 135 different groups that we track on the system, um, and they're going to be looking at circling back to that fund score idea. The fund scores from from zero to six, um, looking to to aggregate um, areas according to specific classifications, and then at giving us an average score based upon the funds that are going to be included in, in each group. Um, so 135 different areas, and here we can take a deeper dive on this page to look at only the U.S. size and style breakdown. And interestingly enough, I mean, we saw growth kind of leading the way for, for, for most of the market. Um, heading into this market decline that we had there in February, growth was still um, at, at the top of the leaderboard, if you will, across your, your large, mid, and, and small size classifications. Um, and it's interesting to see that has, has really been sustained. Growth has continued to lead the way, um, even looking outside of just large cap, looking at, at mid caps and small caps as well. While they have trailed their large cap counterparts, their growth representatives have continued to, to outperform the blend of the value um, classifications that we see here on this page as dictated by these rankings. Um, and if we take a, 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 in order to take a deeper dive into some of that large cap growth, uh, movement that we've seen relative to the large cap value, uh, we can look at a, a score history of the graph here on the system, and that really does a, a great job in displaying a, a, a nice picturesque image of the further dispersion that we've seen um, over the past several weeks. Um, these scores have, have not necessarily moved in tandem throughout history. Obviously, there's going to be periods of, of outperformance for value, periods of outperformance for growth. Although we've seen most of the last few years be, be the um, favoring the growth space, 
um, the scores were still moving in, in a similar fashion, albeit different score um, ranges, um, but looking at similar directional moves over the past couple of years. And we saw a very stark difference come into play uh, at, in February of this year when we saw the large cap value space really begin to fall out of bed, um, moving from an average score of 3.62 um, in mid-February on February 17th all the way down to bottom out at an average score of 2.22 in March, right at the end of March, on March 30th. Um, on the flip side, growth topped out at a, a quite a high average score there, 4.78 on February 17th, and did fall off as well, but actually never moved south, um, or never moved south of the, the 3.5 line, kind of hovering right around that 4.0 uh, score threshold, and has now uh, rebounded back up to a score above the 4.2 range. Um, so seeing that kind of further dispersion represented here in the score dispersion as well, which is actually the looking at the, the largest score dispersion for these two groups throughout the, the history of the asset class group scores page. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you look at that chart, you know, since early 2017, that blue line crossed above that, that red line, which suggested the score for growth is greater than that of value. Um, but but even you know when you when you zoom and you look on it since that early 2017 time period, um, growth has has been uh, scoring above value um, for for the better part now of over three years. And you know it, it's not to say that at some point that that value won't come back in favor because it certainly will. The the big question is um, you know it, it, can that score continue to push lower? And you know the answer is historically we have seen it lower. Uh, back in the 2009 time period, uh, that large cap value score had dipped below uh, the the two line very briefly. So uh, it, it's possible. Um, we'll, we'll continue to watch and see how the value score plays and then relative to the growth store especially, uh, because value can be a very important piece of a portfolio at certain times. We, you go back and you look on the left-hand side of this chart, and since really the, the early 2000s, um, this, this data goes back to um, about the end of 2003, but even prior, since the early 2000s, um, all the way until about uh, mid-2007, value funds were holding up much better and, and scoring much better than growth funds were during that time period. And so, you know, it very much is the you know, value uh, it, it is and can be an important piece of the portfolio, but we want to see um, some positive direction, positive movements out of the out of the fund scores, out of the relative strength uh, space, uh, a relative strength perspective from these scores versus, you know, not even on, on a relative term, but absolute term, even just uh, in near term performance, uh, as, as well as the long term performance, um, it continues to, to favor uh, growth over value. And, and those growth stocks are, you know, there's the big mega cap stocks. They're the ones that have been holding the market up. They're the ones that have been, um, you know, doing much better, uh, even to the extent of the NASDAQ 100 kind of pushes that envelope even further into the large cap growth camp uh, is up uh, on the year um, versus, you know, the S&P being down uh, 9.5% so far. So, you know, as we look out at this landscape right now, I think one of the biggest stories this year really has been the dominance of growth uh, over value and how the market has just uh, continued to drive down value stocks and, and continue to find their way uh, to supporting the, the growth stocks. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll continue to monitor that situation and see how things play out from here. Absolutely. And, and then one way to kind of further 
monitor that there on the system. I mean, we've been focusing on the large cap space, given the dominance of large cap in and of itself that we've seen outside of the, the style classification. Um, but you'll notice on that group scores, that asset class group scores page, um, that large cap value is, is, is the highest ranked value classification that we do have. Um, even with its 2.25 fund score, it still bests the mid cap value of 1.75 and the US small cap value at 1.23. So for those that might be looking towards this dispersion and say, oh, well, that's um, maybe the potential for that mean, mean reversion as Jay was getting at there, the kind of contrarian mindset, um, maybe you can definitely take a look at some of the individual fund movement for those that might be looking to, to play that, but taking a look at the, the broader rankings for the spaces as well, um, looking at those respective scores, their directions, um, the momentum that we've seen there, um, looking for some pops in that would definitely be a place to look towards. Um, for those uh, that would, depending upon the subscription level, you could have the opportunity to set alerts there through this asset class group scores page to be notified if any of these groups did start to see some score improvement, um, but definitely would be one place to continue to monitor here um, as we head towards the hundred months of the year. That's right. Well, um, look, Ian, appreciate, uh, appreciate you, you joining us this week and, and um, appreciate you sharing all your, uh, all the insights on a, on a, personal level as well as uh, general market thoughts and comments and um, to all of you out there thank you for joining us this week hope everybody has a safe and healthy uh, Memorial Day weekend enjoy the the, uh, the, the long weekend uh, get some rest and, and relaxation and hopefully and uh, we'll be back with you next week so appreciate you joining us this week look forward to talking to you soon and uh, we'll be back next week <laughs>